Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hello, everyone. This is Trevor, and this is the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I have been looking forward to interviewing this guy for, wow, I don't even know how many months because, you know, they when in cancer land, time is kind of uh, an illusion sometimes, but I've gotten to know Don Helgeson uh, for a while now, and he is one of my favorite people. And he's also part of our growing Canadian contingent, Canada Represent. And uh, so, Don, uh, welcome to the show, buddy. I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad. I'm glad you finally got it, got to me. And uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> there's so much I want to say. You you've been at the top of the list, and then I've just been like, oh, I'm going to do. I'll come back to Don. So thanks for your patience, because um, you really are an important member. This guy is an, is a critical person in the Man Up to Cancer movement and in the Howling Place group. So I'm going to give the quick intro here. Um, so Don is a recently retired officer of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. He is a, Don's kind of a cancer magnet. Uh, he's, he's had multiple cancers, but he keeps busting cancer right in the teeth. He's a survivor of colon cancer, melanoma, and most recently prostate cancer. And we're going to get into all that. He now spends a lot of his time in cancer advocacy, including a role as one of Man Up to Cancer's Wolfpack leaders. And, whew, I get out of breath. Don has written a memoir about his cancer journey, Prostate Cancer at 51. I got that title right, didn't I? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, wow, you're doing a lot and three cancers is enough. Okay. Like this, this is not a competition. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I know we talked about it before we went on here. It's, yeah. uh, it's, this is all to do with Lynch syndrome when you think about it. Right. Um, right. And I know you and I kind of share that, that unfortunately that common bond Lynch syndrome brothers. Yeah. And so um, I originally found uh your group through uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Rob Burridge, who had been uh, interviewed by yourself for the, uh, I think it was for your webpage yes. and back in the day. And his, his sister-in-law worked with me with the, at the police detachment. And I saw, I saw the video and I was like, well, you know, I'd, I'd had melanoma at age 27 and then I had uh, colon cancer at age 37. And I was like, this sounds like this is for me. And I thought, oh, why well, I should join this to have it in my back pocket for, you know, living in, with Lynch syndrome, you just never know what's going on. Although I did all the testing and, uh, you know, with colonoscopies and going to see a dermatologist all the time, thought good, good to have, but also maybe down the road, I could help somebody out if they needed it. So for those of you who are just learning about Lynch syndrome, let me give you the, the quick hit on that. Lynch syndrome is an inherited, it's a genetic, um, it's essentially a mutation on your DNA. So the body has several genes that are called mismatch repair genes. So if your cells start doing crazy shit, like multiplying uncontrollably and developing cancer, these genes go in and fix it. When you have Lynch syndrome, you have one of those genes that one or more of those genes that 
basically has a mutation so it doesn't work right so that's why dawn and i that's one of the reasons why we developed cancer so people with lynch syndrome have a predisposition to getting cancer and often at an early age which dawn is living proof of um how old were you at your first cancer 27 I was just turning 27. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so for those of you out there, like Lynch syndrome, it's one of the most common um, inherited um, traits that can lead to cancer. So learn about it. And, and yeah, so go ahead. So you, um, how did you cope? I guess let's go back a little bit and talk about those, that early early cancer in your life. Um, Did you know about your family history? I mean, you knew your family history, but did you know about Lynch syndrome prior to your diagnosis? No. Um, so it does go back quite a few years, uh, back to 1977, to be honest with you. That's when my, my grandmother on my mom's side, she died of colon cancer when she was around 50 years old. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I was eight years old at the time. And so I, I, I got to know her and I just remember that she was, she was just sick for a very long time. And then fast forward to uh, 1990, uh, 1993, and my mom at the age of 42 she had colon cancer and uh, fortunately for her it was caught early but um, she told the rest of her family members about what was going on and two of her three siblings they were also uh, they had colonoscopies done right away and they had colon cancer oh my goodness and they were not even in their 40s yet so and so it turned out uh, that we knew something was going on within the family right so at that time I was in my early 20s I just just joined the Mounties, uh, <laughs> and I just did my training fresh, fresh out of uh, our training center at my first posting, and uh, feeling you know super invincible. And um, I had my first colonoscopy around that time. It was negative. I was quite young, and but I, I ended up with a malignant melanoma, and who knows what that could have been related to? Whether that's related to Lynch, don't know. Yeah, but. But I knew early on, and so did the rest of the family, that something was going on within our group. And then we also found out that uh, that my mom's, one of my mom's grandparents from my mom's side, uh, like like my her mother's parents had colon cancer as well. So there was definitely a pattern there, but it, it took until 2011, and that was after I'd had my colon cancer, where I officially had the testing done. And yeah. sure enough, it was confirmed I had the MSH2 gene. Okay. And, um, but my... Uh, my brother didn't have it, which was good. And good. yeah, yeah. And I know I mentioned on my on my webpage in my memoir that I have three children as well, and none of them inherited it. So awesome. it's, it, it stops with me. And that's great. Yeah. So our two daughters, you know, um, there's debate on when to test and the sort of when to find out and all that. Um, they are 16 and 14 right now, and and we've decided that they're just they're going to be kids. Like, and and with one parent with it, generally there's not urgency around to find out until they're in their 20s so when they get into their 20s they can have that test or even if they decide when they're adults at 18 they can have that test and find out and and then they can do you know then i mean they already know that it's in our family which is step number one and then step number two when they do get the test if they do have the gene that doesn't mean it doesn't mean they're automatically going to get cancer it but it does give them the information that they need to be screening (laughs) a lot more than the average person Absolutely. And so my, my three daughters are, are in their twenties and they've all been just recently tested. 
And I made sure I told them, make sure you get all of your, your, your things yeah. in a row, your insurances, if you want to do that before you do all of this. Right. And uh, I mean, each, as each one contacted me to tell me that they were negative, you know, it was just a celebration after celebration, <sighs> yeah, you know, well. lo- lots of tears. I mean, it, it, and, and joy because, and my one daughter in particular, my oldest daughter, she was super anxious about all of this and, and I don't blame her. And, and I said, before she got her results, there's there's two ways to look at this right you could um you could worry and worry that you that about the fact that you're going to have it and how how horrible it could be as you said but on the other hand because you have it and like like you and i we know what we need to do and that's right absolutely and so for me uh fortunately with the medical system where i live I seem to get to the front of the line of anything as soon as I say, I, I know, I, you know, I've got Lynch syndrome, I had like, three, three cancers. Yeah. So, so, and I, and I just said to my oldest daughter, knowledge is power. We'll, we'll get through this. And then when she, when she told me she didn't have it, I was like, that's great. But still, we all have to be in, on top of our own personal health, right. and, yeah, yeah, uh, totally. but not having Lynch syndrome is a great start. So I totally forgot to kind of orient our listeners in space here. Don <laughs> lives in one of the most beautiful places in the world, Nanaimo, British Columbia, Canada. Um, tell us a little bit about where you live and and is that where you're from or did you move there for for work or whatever? Yeah, I'm originally from British Columbia, but I'm from a, a city in the northern part of the province I live in uh, where we get uh, pretty pretty incredible winters and four seasons. And um I joined the the RCMP in 1993 and I was immediately sent to Saskatchewan where I lived for about 10 years and a little bit of time in Alberta. But uh, in 2002, I made it back to British Columbia and eventually 2005 to Nanaimo. And that's where my first wife was from. I knew early on that this is where I wanted to eventually retire. But fortunately for me, I got here uh, earlier than that and worked my final 15 or so years in the RCMP out here. And Nanaimo is probably, as you said, I, I mean, I'm a bit biased, but it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we really don't get much as far as winters. Uh, if anybody has been to Seattle, the Seattle area, we generally have the, the same climate as there. We're very close to Seattle. Yeah. And we live on an island uh, with about, I'm going to say about five, uh, five to 700,000 people. Um, and um, we have all the services we need, but we don't have uh, the major hustle and bustle. And Yeah. Island life. Right. Um, and so tell us about your family. So you have, you have, um, you're remarried, you have children. Tell us about yeah. who, who are your family members? So, uh, Lindsay, Lauren and Reagan are my daughters from my first marriage. And as I awesome. said, they're, they're all grown up and, uh, my shout youngest, out ladies and my youngest, uh, uh, my youngest daughter, Reagan, uh, she has a four-year-old, uh, uh, Georgia, and she, uh, as we're talking about Lynch syndrome ending, there's no chance of her getting it now too, which is great. Um, and then my, uh, my beautiful new wife, Lisa, we've been married now for seven years and, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, we, uh, and we have, I have a 15 year old stepdaughter with her, uh, Michelle and yeah, like we, uh, and everybody is here except for one daughter who's in Alberta. And so I have, I'm really close to everyone. My, my granddaughter lives about, uh, 10 minutes away from me and I spend about anywhere from three to four days a week with her. Awesome. So for our cancer discussion, we have to start with the person you already mentioned, our mutual friend, the one and only, the legend, Robbie Burridge. Yeah. He lives a mile away from you. He is a stage four colorectal cancer badass. 
He's been on the podcast. He's also, like you mentioned, been on my uh, previous show, which was Stuck in the Man Cave. Um, right. And and he is just one of my favorite people. And and turns out he lives right near you. And like you said, through a through a relative, you you got got on the radar of our group. And um, and and now between you and Robbie you've pulled in multiple guys to the group from around where you live. So you have this little uh, BC crew brewing. We do. And, and as I was mentioning earlier on um, his, uh, his interview with you, I, I, I just love the guy right away. I mean, he has an infectious laugh and that, and that smile, oh, man. <laughs> you know, um, and we so, love you, buddy. And so it, it, it brought me to the, to, to the wolf pack. And so um, as I said, little did I know at the time how much I was going to need it. And yeah. So, so you had already survived the, or, or, you know, been a patient and survived those two cancers. So you join our group and you're in there for a short time. You, you weren't in there that long when you get some more shocking news. Tell us about that. Yeah. I, so I joined the group in uh, the spring of 2020 as the pandemic was starting and um, got to know quite a few of the guys in there and, and realized that this was quite a cool thing to have like I said, available to me. And sure enough, September comes along. I'm thinking about retiring with, uh, from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and I get some blood work done and lo and behold, I check the lab results and my PSA is is really high. And the scary part about that is, is here I was uh, 50, 50, turning 51. I didn't even know what PSA was. And it, which is a scary, scary thought to begin with, which will lead yeah, to why, so- which will lead to why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, so tell people, tell people before you continue your story, uh, what it is. So PSA is, is a test that is done uh, through blood work that can determine whether there's any issues going on with your prostate, just general terms. Perfect. And, and uh, it's a really good first indicator. And so uh, I knew right away that my, my family doctor was concerned because he, he phoned me the next day and said, um, we need to get you in to see a urologist. And um, fortunately for me, and I don't know if it's a Lynch syndrome, but I was there within a week to yeah. see the urologist and Good. had me in, uh, did the digital rectal exam. And he said, yeah, I can feel something. Mm. So with that, uh, the ball got rolling. And and I remember uh, even when, when I um, had the PSA results, actually I'll backtrack a little bit because I was yeah, by, my, by myself at the house and I went into the portal to check because I was more worried about my cholesterol. Uh, <laughs> I had, I'd had high cholesterol over the last few years and, and actually the cholesterol had lowered and it was really, really good result. Like, I look, oh I look, yeah, this is great. Exactly. And I went down the page and there was this exclamation mark warning symbol with beside PSA. And so I, I went on to Dr. Google, probably a mistake. And I was sitting at the house by myself, as I said, <laughs> we've all done it. And it said very good chance that you have prostate cancer. And I was just beside myself. And you know, that feeling where everything just kind of Oh yeah. Uh, Disoriented. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I felt like I was going to get sick and yeah. um, But anyway, fast forward again to the urologist, urologist said I can feel something then. And from there it was really fast. I was in for, well, I had a second PSA test done to see if it was a, an anomaly, which it wasn't, it had risen even more. Um, and quite an alarming rate to be honest with you. And, uh, so I got in for the CT scans, the MRI, I had a biopsy done in, in November of 2020. And uh, on December 9th, uh, that's when I got my biopsy results. And I had uh, uh, what was called a Gleason 7 uh, confirmation that I had cancer. And it was a three, yeah. three plus four. And in the Gleason scale, it's a scale that is used to determine the severity of the cancer. 
and anything that's uh, basically more than a five or six is something that's considered that you need to take some immediate action on. And mine was the, was the seven and um, damn bro. You can't catch a break at this point. No. And, and I had, I had no symptoms. I mean, other than uh, I had more frequent urinating uh, at night, but I, you know, being 51 years old, I was everything, yeah. everything I'd read about that seemed pretty normal. And, right, but, I, right. but, I, but I had zero symptoms and, yeah. you know, and thinking that I was in a pretty good spot in my life with annual colonoscopies, going to see the dermatologist every couple of years, even self-checking my skin because I knew what to look for. And this just came right out of left field. And so um, Lisa, my wife and I were sitting at the kitchen table when, when, uh, Dr. Carlson, my urologist called and said, you know, his words were, we've got some trouble. And, mm-hmm. and I knew right then and there that, uh, my world was changing. And, uh, and I, I was actually, uh, interestingly, I, because I was just about to sign the paperwork to retire from the RCMP, I immediately called, uh, called them to say, uh, I think I want to put this on hold because one of the biggest concerns I have is I had a really decent life insurance policy through them. And I was thinking, I was thinking the worst. And and Lisa was like, Dom, we're not talking about that. And I said, well, we are talking about it because I don't qualify for any other life insurances. And I've had this, this huge policy since the days I joined the force. And uh, I'm like, no, we are. And so once I got confirmation from them that it actually followed me into retirement and I, I was able to continue the track to retire because it was a good thing to get that off my plate. I didn't want to yeah. didn't want to have to worry about work. Retirement was going to be very comfortable for me. So um then the then the tricky parts come. I, I'm fifty turning fifty-one with prostate cancer. I'm not I'm not an older man where you know it it's where I have to sometimes you can do active surveillance and do nothing. Uh, you could uh, you choose, choose radiation, choose uh, surgery, which I end up choosing and, but it's all thrown at me. And, and I, as I was saying earlier, I knew when I was that guy who had checked Dr. Google and who had gone into the urologist's office and was told there's a problem there. I just wished I'd had a, another 51 year old guy that I could have just leaned on at that exact moment and say, what do I do? Uh, what, what was your experience? And I didn't know anybody with prostate cancer. Um, I'd had an uncle who had, who had passed away from it a few years uh, earlier, but I didn't know anybody that, that had had it. And, uh, right. but I, I was like, Whoa, wait a second. I belong to the wolf pack. <laughs> you know? And so I, and I'm, I'm sure you recall, I got on there right away saying, Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. And a couple of guys right away got a hold of me uh, and said, you know, if you want to, you want some uh, to talk about this and hear what I did. And that. I was like, yes. And so um, and it was everything from, uh, the type of treatments that they chose, why they chose it to here's what to expect when you're, you know, for a biopsy. And it was, it was invaluable, Trevor. I, yeah. I, so I want you to talk more about that, but just to let people know. So he's talking about Don went into the Howling Place Facebook group, let our, you know, where he was already a member, let everyone know what was going on. And then the guys with prostate cancer reached out to him and said, Hey, we are here for you. Now, in the Howling Place group itself, we we don't talk about treatment options. We're not a treatment group. However, we make those connections. Yes. So once you make those connections, then then those people can have, they can PM with Don, they can call, they can email, all that stuff. It's not in like the main feed of the group, but um, people can go off and, and have those relationships and learn about treatment options. So so I will say like we're, we are an emotional support group, 
but it does lead to those connections where people can can give you logistical, practical um, support around your process for making decisions. And it sounds like that's what happened for you. But you also got the emotional support as well. But before we get into that, yeah, tell us. So, so folks had some great yeah. uh, advice. And these are people who have been there, done that. Yeah. And, and like you said, even just to have people on, on my post comments and, and, you know, I knew that I wasn't alone and, and that helped. And, and being in COVID, I think we were all used to, um, <laughs> we're, we're used to doing like Zoom or phone calls. I would, like I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to be going to anybody in particular. So being online was really normal at this, this stage of the game. Totally. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and one of the, one of the gentlemen on here came and he said, Hey, do you want to hear about what, what the biopsy is like. And I immediately was like, no, no, it's okay. I think I'll just go into that blind. <laughs> then I thought about it some more and I said, no, no, I, I, I need to know more. And I need to do a bit of research online, but no, I wanted to hear it. And so he walked me through it and I'm glad he did because I went into the room that day and it wasn't the most pleasant experience, but I had a good idea as what to expect. And yeah, what to expect is huge. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, I ended up after doing a bunch of research, choosing the surgery route, um, yep. Which is a real, there's some major life changes that come with that. And it, it was, uh, I had to make the decision by the beginning of January of 2021, uh, if I wanted to have surgery. And if I didn't want to have surgery, I could have gone those other routes and it would have probably delayed what I was doing uh, by a bit. But over the Christmas break, while uh, I was making a decision, Lisa was extremely supportive. We talked about the pros and cons. And I said, I, I'm super worried about the ED and the incontinence that comes uh, with, with with prostate surgery, yeah. um, as I said, fifty one, uh, and my and my wife and my wife is 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 younger than me too, and yeah, and, and I'm terrified. So I actually had one of the guys again I talked to from from the Wolfpack who said I'm sixty one now, and I was fifty one when I had this surgery, and here's here's what you know my my things were, and again like where else was I going to get that at this stage of the game? So I'm super happy to have that chose, yes. chose surgery. And, uh, Lisa, right from the very beginning said, wherever we go with this, I'm by your side. We'll figure this out. And, uh-huh. and, and to have that was, was, was again, just amazing. So on January 19th of 2021, I went in for my surgery, uh, talk again about, about COVID all these appointments I'm talking about that I went to, I was by right. myself. Yeah, Same thing. All, yeah, yeah. Lisa, Lisa dropped me off at the hospital. I didn't see her again for a couple of days and there's no, there's no visitors, that type of thing. Super, super tough. And, uh, but got out of the hospital after a couple of days, got home and thankfully the surgery went well. My, my surgeon said I managed to salvage the nerves that assist with ED and, uh, um, and, and I was, I was pretty thankful to hear that, but at that point it was kind of the least <laughs> my worries, well, this, right, right. This, this catheter that I had in, and that I had to wear for 16 full days oh. was, was not a, not nice, but got through that and, uh, and then got the pathology report, uh, uh, the day that my catheter was removed. So 16 days post-surgery catheter was removed. And I, I always joke that I heard the angels sing when that thing. Came yeah. Up, I was going to say that. Well, <laughs> it was man, such a really... greatest moment of your life. <laughs> Oh, and, uh, and, and as someone as someone who's just had mine post surgery, so for my all of my surgeries, I've had it post surgery for maybe two to four days. Uh, let me tell you, <laughs> the angels were singing in my in my hospital room as well. So. And 
to have it removed was was great. Uh, the funny part about that is is that you're all just said bring a uh, depend with you when you come because you'll need it on the way out the yep. door. Yep. Again, 51 years old and and walking out of a doctor's office with uh, with un- with a diaper on, I guess you would yep. say. Um, but the uh, the pathology at that time came back that I was actually a Gleason nine out of ten. Oof. And even even my uh, urologist, who was my surgeon, said, uh, "I'm shocked. I'm shocked that this is a nine. And so, don't know if it, it if 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 it had been missed during the biopsy, or if the portions that they tested, or if it had continued just to aggressively grow that fast. And so he said to me, you know, regardless of of the choices you had for surgery, having Lynch syndrome and and, and the fact that uh, it was a nine, it's probably good that we got it out when we did." And a lot of times people, uh, if anybody's on here listening, has, has had prostate cancer, when it's a Gleason 9, quite often it's already gotten outside of the prostate. Yep. It hadn't for me. And so all the, all the margins were good. Um, and then three months later, did my first PSA blood work and my PSA was virtually undetectable. I've had three since then. So I've gone a, a complete year since then with my yep. blood, blood work being uh, 100% negative. And, Fantastic. Yeah. So here I am and uh, happy to report that as far as everything else goes uh, with the healing and with the the nerves being salvaged, that my life is actually getting back to normal. Uh, And uh, it's... That's that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, all those things like um, incontinence and sexual function and like all the things that, you, you know, you think about, I mean, get... Those are things that come up in the group quite a bit. And things that um, are a struggle, and um, so to hear that you're on the right path and and um, feeling more normal in your life again—that's that's a beautiful thing. And it wouldn't be here without uh, support of, uh, of a couple other people. And one one other guy, member of the group—he's actually a member of the group that I invited to the group, who has also has prostate cancer. We had chatted uh, uh, about some of the things that he had done uh, post surgery, and one of them is he he talked to me about uh, doing a daily low dose Cialis. I'd never even heard about it. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Instead of taking them when you, when you want to use them, it, it's more, that's always in your system. And uh, that's been just invaluable to me too. So again, there's a, another great connection. And, and before we, so I want to get into your advocacy work since, yeah, since through all this, but again, on your retirement. So you served for 28 years as a Mountie for the RCMP. And I, um, you had a, you had a bad injury, right? That was part of, you were for, essentially forced into early retirement. Is that, or tell me the story about what, what led to your retirement? Yeah, it was on, uh, in April of 2019, I was on my way to court. I was dressed in my suit and I was uh, wearing my dress shoes. It was raining out and a call came over the radio of a guy taking off from a crime scene on a bike. And I knew who he was and lo and behold, he came down the road that I was driving on with my partner. Uh, I was seated in the passenger seat of the, of the police vehicle. And as he tried to get by us on the bike, I thought I'll try to tackle him off of it. And <laughs> I shattered my right oh. ankle. And oh, damn. I've had two surgeries in the last year. Still, I'm still dealing with injuries from that. But I had an opportunity. Uh, I was planning on retiring around 30 years anyway. And uh, because I, I had the injury and it was an on-duty injury, I was able to go a couple of years early and then yeah. made it worth my while. Yeah, but the last the last official operational decision I made was <laughs> almost 50 year old <laughs> to tackle this young 21 year old guy off of a bike and 
Uh, I don't know if I would do it again, but but at the so, time it seemed it seemed like the right idea. So um, most importantly, did you make the tackle? Yes, and I got him. <laughs> so he was he was about to get up when my partner managed to get him down, but I knew that I I had done something. Yes, yeah. and and then also knew that you were in excruciating pain. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, so that that was uh, that was in 2019. It's coming up to three years now, and and surgeries have had some success, but I'm still it's it's I've been told that ankle injuries, especially when you're breaking bones around 50 years old, it, it is not as easy of a recovery. And yeah. Um, I still can do most things that I want to do, but I do have, I do have some pain every day with it, but. Oh, I bet, man. Yeah. So when did you, when did you really start, um, just make the decision to start sharing your story? Yeah. So as a your cancer story, it, it, it kind of fell on my lap with those meetings with the, uh, with my, my, my family doctor and with the urologist that realized there, there isn't anybody out here that's talking about this my age. And I thought there's just, there's something that could be done. So mm. uh, with my iPhone, I went into the notes feature and everything I did, whether it was uh, talking to the doctor or some things that were going on with me, like different, uh, how I was feeling, I, I kept writing them down or, and I, I didn't know where I was going to go with it, but I, I thought there's definitely, I, I wanted to be at the end of the day, I wanted to be a 51 year old guy who could talk to another guy my age who got that, that news. Beautiful. And uh, a really good friend of mine uh, who lives up in my hometown up at Prince George, British Columbia, up in the Northern part of the province. He's a journalist and a writer, and he gave me a hand making it sound like it wasn't police jargon and uh, uh, it wasn't a police report. And I got a 16 page memoir done out of it. And then I was like, well, now what do I do with this thing? So I created a webpage and, uh, and then from now's where I jump in and I tell people (laughs) prostate cancer, 51.com prostate cancer, 51.com. Yeah. And, uh, I actually surprised myself on how easy it was for, to create this webpage and I had it done in an hour and got it on it looks great I, yeah oh thanks and and now the next trick tricky part about this is i my private life at that point was i mean i shared things with my closest friends and and some things with my personal friends on facebook sure but i was going to be talking about sexual dysfunction i was going to be talking about urinary incontinence i was going to be talking about the very vulnerable side of me <sighs> and throwing it out there along with pictures of me and i sat there and i you know, weighed the pros and cons and I hit, I hit send and the way it went. <laughs> and I talked to my, there's no taking it back now. No, no, You're out I, there. I talked to my, my daughters. Um, I talked to my family members my, and my wife said it's out there. And they're like, Nope, we support this. We get it. And we're here for you, whatever it takes. And it, it kind of, from there it, it ballooned. And I've been since that day. So that was in August of, of 2021 that I went live with that. And I'm, I get messages all the time from people saying, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for your vulnerable side. And yes, I've, I've been on a couple of, uh, I've had a couple of interviews done through, well, well, through the leadership group here, I've, I've been uh, involved with, with the news on TV yep. and, and in print, but I, I'm really, I wanted to share on, on here as I just recently, the BC cancer, the cancer foundation contacted me, said that they had heard about my story and they interviewed me. And I'm going to be featured in their spring magazine for our, our province. And we have our province is 5 million people. And oh, this that's is, awesome, dude. This is going out. That's and, awesome. And, and again, it's all, I, of course, I had to have cancer for this to all happen, but it's all because I think 
getting involved in the online community and, and talking to people and realizing that this is needed. It isn't just about my webpage. It's also about being online uh, with the group. And I've talked to several other men with prostate cancer. Yeah. And, and then I'm, I'm hoping I can get a little plug in here too, with, with uh, the, the prostate cancer tribe, the PC tribe with Tracy. Yeah. Morgan. So, so, so Tracy Morgan, our brother, Tracy Morgan, who's a legend OG also in the howling place, he created the PC tribe. And this is a Facebook group called the PC tribe, prostate cancer tribe, and sort of an offshoot of the howling place specifically for men impacted by c- prostate cancer. And you have jumped in as a leader there. Tell us about that effort. Yeah. I, and I knew, and I'll just backtrack just a tiny bit when yeah. uh, last fall, when you came out with the leadership program within man of the cancer, I was super stoked with that. And I, I know, I, I, I think I replied the same day and, and, uh, yeah. And I said, uh, I can't tell you if you're, you're going to make the cut, but you're, yeah. you're making the cut. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just knew it was in my blood, uh, being retired and having time on my hands. Uh, I, I wanted to do something, but it was, it was right around that exact same time that I saw Tracy had created the, the PC tribe. And it wasn't long after uh, he created it that we got up to some fairly decent numbers. And so I just sent him a private message saying, listen, here's who I am. I've got some time. Would you like some help? Well, my, 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 <laughs> phone, yeah. my phone beeped within minutes saying I was an admin for the PC tribe. And then he finally responded to me that he told me later on that uh, he wasn't going to let me get away. So he, he, he snagged me. And yeah, no, when so, you know, when that offer of help comes in, like, yeah, you're not, you're not getting off the hook now. So that's, that's awesome. And, and so how's it going? You guys have quite a few men in there now. We do. We're just about at 250. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it started at, uh, late November of 2021. A lot of the members have come from Man Up to Cancer. Uh, Tracy has also gone into a few other uh, prostate cancer pages. And our, and just to make it real short here, we basically have the exact same rules as you guys. We're, and we, yep. call our, we call ourselves a little brother group to Man Up to Cancer. Love it. And uh, we follow the same rules. It's, it's men only. Uh, I mean, obviously, prostate cancer is a men only thing. But it's the same thing as yeah. we, we, we want to have it that men can just still share the things and not have to worry yeah. and keep it keep it within the house and and it has been growing like mad and we're super happy with it love it that is, that's excellent and so so you have the memoir and the website you're doing the pc tribe you are a wolf pack leader for man up to cancer um is there anything else we're missing right now in terms of what what you're doing for cancer awareness and advocacy interestingly i <laughs> I I'm thinking about starting a podcast of my own and I it's uh, you're hearing it here first. Fantastic. We got breaking news people. Yeah. Uh, and I just got my microphone uh, in the mail. I hooked it up, just throwing some ideas out there. And it was, uh, I thought being a retired police officer, uh, someone who's had cancer, someone who wants to be an advocate. I think there's, a, there's some stories that could be told there. And, and I, this goes back to my, my dad, my dad has told me over the years, he said, you have to write a book. And one of the things that my parents love whenever I go visiting with them, you know, and obviously I changed the names to protect the innocent and <laughs> is, is, is they just loved hearing the stories. And even when my police buddies would come by, like everybody just loved to hear that stuff. So I thought maybe there's something cool there where I could, I could share some of my, my journey as a, as a rural Canadian mounted policeman over 28 years throughout Western Canada, and then have a guest who, because uh, everybody's been affected by cancer in one way or another. And have a guest from my past, and uh, and and maybe they're a police officer, maybe they're there's somebody I met along the way, and so I I self taught myself cool. I self taught myself in the last two weeks how to do it, and uh, we'll see where it goes. 
I'm not surprised. You are a go-getter. You're someone like, if you want to learn a new skill or whatever, like you're on it. And, um, and so, yeah, so I'm trying to think my, we're running through all this stuff so quickly and it's going so well. I'm like, I'm like, I want to ask you, I did want to ask you a little bit, I guess, about your Mountie, um, career. I imagine you saw some strange situations, um, interesting dynamics. Do you have any, any like the like legendary Mountie stories that you're able to share here publicly? Like, like a moment where you were just like, like this can't be happening right now. I got shot at once, uh, <laughs> one time, thankfully one time. And, and it, it does come back, uh, that All right, we got to hear this then. Okay. Yeah. Well, but I talked to my father when I told him that I was retiring, he's like, I'm so thankful you're finally getting out because the world isn't what it was when you joined in 1993. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, it was a, it was a story. It happened just a couple of years before I retired. We had a guy It was, it was, uh, in a house and I was standing next to the house. And the next thing you knew a round was shot through the wall in the direction we, was, we were standing. And yeah, it was a scary time. Uh, I also spent some time up in, I, I did a, a relief uh, duty up in Northern Canada, a place called Nunavut. Uh, the, the major city up there is called Iqaluit. And I, it was a small hamlet outside of there. And wow. we had, and I did, I did uh, one month up there in the minus forties had a man up there who was running around with, with a gun shooting at people. And there was a, I, I was stationed in Nanaimo at the time. And I remember thinking, man, I wish I was in Nanaimo right now. <laughs> Cause there's only, <laughs> cause there's only two police officers uh, who uh, work up at this community. And I was, I was relieving one while they're on holidays. And so there's not a lot of help. Yeah. But, yeah. but, <laughs> no, I, and you're, but I'm happy you're to the, say you're in the middle of nowhere. That's right. But I'm happy to say in 28 years, the worst thing that happened to me, was the ankle injury. Um, obviously, I think anybody who's been in emergency services knows that that you don't you don't you don't go unscathed during your 28 years and this it's uh, and most of it is the mental health component. And, right. And, uh, and oh, man. I mean, yeah. when you add that plus plus cancer, I I, I mean, when we haven't talked about it yet, but I, I I see a counselor every once in a while just to deal with all of that. And I just had my counseling uh, this morning before I talked to you here today. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And but, there's tools but, in the, there's tools in the toolbox for sure. For sure. And, and I can say that in the 28 years as a police officer, there wasn't a day I didn't enjoy going to work. I love my job, but it was time. And, uh, and, and again, we'll have to tune into the podcast down the road to, to end up getting, uh, uh, more of the stories. Yeah, uh, that uh, that is for sure. You know that I'm signing up for that. And so, yeah, so now that you, in your retirement, obviously spending time with your, your wife and family and then with your advocacy work, you, you know, you're really stepping into this role as a as a leader um, for others with, with prostate cancer and any type of cancer. Um, but how do you like to, what else do you like to do? Like, what are your priorities now? Um what are the things in your life that fill your cup and, and Lisa's cup? I have a four-year-old granddaughter. She actually turns five next Friday. And I have had the opportunity over the last while to spend multiple days a week with her. Uh, we, we, we do so much together. She's really, you know, having, having three children and my, my, my first, my three daughters from my first marriage are very close together in age. And, and it was a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong, but it was a blur as well. I've had an opportunity sure, yeah. now with with my granddaughter where we I get to see every step of it and there's no 
uh, there's no there's no panic there's there's everything is just it's a lot simpler and so that's that's so, my number so, one so people hold on so people listening can't see his face right now but he starts talking about his granddaughter and man it's the the smile lights up the face lights up like you can see the joy here so yeah so what else i so after going on uh, tv here and in the newspapers about the leadership program quite a few men in the area actually decided to join the man up to cancer and I've started a, a, a messenger group of the guys that are local here. And we've been, we, we go for coffee every week or two. Uh, I've got, a, so, you know, I am young, but I, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do in my retirement. But, <laughs> but I, I, I'm also taking time for me. And that is I'm going for breakfast, breakfast with guys, going for coffee, That's but great. I meet, but I'm meeting up with the other guys from the group with cancer. And uh, yesterday is an example. I ended up meeting up with, uh, with Robbie Burge and Greg Brown, the three of us. And we spent almost two hours just, yeah. you know, just just talking about nothing talking about everything and <laughs> this is what brings me joy but uh, and the last part i'll say about this whole retirement gig is my my wife because she is younger than me she has to work another nine years before she can retire so <laughs> i'm i'm the house husband and i i i look after i look after everything at home so that when yeah. she's so that when she's home the two of us are available. We do everything together. So perfect. Uh, so my my uh, my nine to five job now is is the house and and yeah. That, that's excellent. And I see. And you guys have taken some trips uh, recently yeah. as well. Yeah, we so went traveling. You like traveling, obviously. We do. We're actually heading to Mexico in in two weeks today for a trip. Something that we uh, we really have missed. We normally go once a year uh, because of COVID. But but yeah, we went to Newfoundland. And I actually texted you. Oh, as, right, right. That's right. Yeah, I texted you when um, uh, I was when I was arriving in Newfoundland, showing you the path of the plane went right over Maine um, from from Toronto <laughs> from right, Tro that's from, right. from Toronto to St. John's that we flew right over. And uh, one of my closest friends, he's actually the guy that I called uh, the day that I did Doctor Google and found out that I might have prostate cancer, and he. I called him for just to talk and for some advice. He's was one of my closest sure. friends, Derek. And we uh, we went to go see him out there in Newfoundland. And I'd never been. And it's it's uh, it's 3,000 miles away from where I live. And we the, the two of us, we thought, well, we can't travel anywhere else in the world right now. Let's just stay within Canada. Hard to believe we can travel that far and still be in the same country. But we we were and uh, went there. And I, and I ended up meeting up with... Uh, with David Coffin, uh, who is another man after cancer. Guy. Yes, shout out to David. And I've been in touch with him recently too. Yeah, that's out there, man. There's <laughs> out there. He's a great, great guy. He drove three hours to St. John's, Newfoundland, to to have spent the afternoon with Lisa and I, and Fantastic. new new friend. We uh, and my in laws are heading out there soon, and they're going to hook up with with Dave as well. So, but yeah, we love to travel. Uh, These and, connections are that's what it's all about. Yeah, and my retirement gift to myself is going to be a trip to New Zealand, and hopefully, I can take it in the next year or two. Awesome. Okay, you know what time it is. It is. I know. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Yeah. I have a couple new questions in here, and I'm throwing some wrinkles at you today. It's time to put Don on the gauntlet of random questions. I'm gonna have to get some music at some point on this dang show, so we can like come in with like a bum bum bum. <laughs> but all right, or Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. Do, 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 do. Okay. Don, here we go. What place in the world, can't say New Zealand, you've already said that, but what place in the world would you most like to visit that you haven't been to before? Yeah, I won't say New Zealand, so I'm going to say Ireland. Is that uh, ancestry for you? 
Well, it wasn't until two days ago. I just got my an- I just got my ancestry results on twenty three and Me, and it turns out I'm part Irish. Didn't even know yeah, it. That's great. No, it's some place that my my wife and I have talked about going to for quite some time, and uh, I just I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, and I just look forward to going there and trying the food, eat, going to the pubs. We'll go to England and probably Scotland while we're there too. Which celebrity is going to play Don in the real life story when it hits the theaters? Oh no, I'll get in trouble for this. Matt Damon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> let's let's all set aside any you know any opinions we might have of Matt Damon's extracurricular activities. But if you go watch Goodwill Hunting, come tell me that Matt Damon's not an awesome actor, man. I mean, come on. And you have that, like the rugged looks like the Bourne. I can see you being in one of the Bourne films for sure. <laughs> I, I'd been told before I met my wife that uh, my, it was actually my aunt said you, I reminded her of Matt Damon. And then my, and then Lisa said the same thing. And you got it again. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's her, that's her favorite actor. Yeah. So just walk around like, with, like mysteriously, like you're in a spy movie and just yeah, yeah. work that yeah. Um, UFOs and aliens are among us. Yes or no? No. Okay. Most people we've had on are believers. So you're a skeptic. Well, I, I think in 28 years of policing, I might've seen one if they really were there. So we'll see. I love it. But maybe right. they were, and I can't say. He needs evidence. Um, <laughs> a couple more. Uh, what's your most used emoji? Oh, the laughing, crying face, the laughing the face la- with the tears. Yeah. <laughs> That's a go-to for me. I'd yeah. say my, the wolf, the crying face with the tears and the fire. Um, okay. If you could only choose one weapon to use during the zombie apocalypse, this is a good one for you being a Mountie and all, you know, you have knowledge of weapons and such. Um, what's your go-to weapon? Hockey stick. Oh, God, it's so Canadian. <laughs> With the Tim Hortons in the one hand. Tim Hortons in one hand, hockey stick in the other, maybe a Molson waiting for him yeah. uh, and some syrup. This dude is going to be... So that's one of the best answers we've had. I had... Um, who who was saying this the other day? Someone just said one of those barbecue forks, the long ones. Um, we, I need to do my top 10 zombie fighting weapons, but hockey stick is right up there, man. That's right freaking awesome. <laughs> All right, you made it. I, I went easy on you. I didn't give you any really hard ones. We're not even going down. We're not even touching the pizza debate today. Um, and pineapple on pizza. Okay, yes. <laughs> he had to say it. Um Everything was going so great. Um, all right. That's it. That's all we have for you today. Um, Don, it's it's an honor, man. You are a rock star. Um, you know, it's these aren't coincidences. The the people that come into Man Up to Cancer and make a difference and and, fee, and get something out of it and then pay it forward, like, it is, I just feel like there's just people I was supposed to meet and you're one of them. So thank you for everything that you do on behalf of Man Up to Cancer as well. And thanks for being a Wolfpack leader and all that stuff. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Love you, man. It's been a pleasure. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.